it's don't focus on a material thing outside of you. Think of what's going on inside of you because that's his greatest glory. You're his handiwork. You're his workmanship. People have been healed. People have been restored. People have been given purpose. People have given things. But most importantly, this power says to you, it can never change that your life matters no matter what. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast. The Salty Pastor is designed to help you grow in your faith. We create the context, the inspiration, the environment of learning and discovery. But in the end, it is up to you to start your journey of faith and do the work. We are so excited to be with you again for another episode. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host. And we cannot do the Salty Pastor Podcast without the Salty Pastor himself. Dr. Douglas Peak. So good to be with you, everybody. Yeah, I think, you know, you have to do the work yourself. People say, hey, go out, do the work, do the work. It's worth it. And in this situation, let me tell you, when it comes to your faith, when you do the work, it is the most rewarding thing that will ever happen in your life. It's transformative. And then the fruit, the actual consequences and impact in things you harvest from working on your faith are unbelievable. And it's mm. not just faith in any old thing. It's not faith for faith's sake. It's the object of your faith, which is Jesus Christ. And that's where the transformative power comes from. So uh, we love doing this to help you grow, but it's all about helping you grow. So we are currently in our new series, the um, Your Life Matters, and we're talking about how you can know that your life matters. Let's review what we've covered up to this point okay. in the last couple of weeks. Human beings need to know that they have value. If you don't believe that your life has value, then there will be dramatic consequences mm -hmm. in your life. Pretty dramatic. Yes, there will be. Uh, you determine why your life has value from your origin story. We mm -hmm. talked about that. We get to choose what origin story we believe. If we choose well, our lives matter more than we could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And finally, we cannot find value within ourselves or any other human being. It must come from outside of ourselves. And that's why the biblical origin story, I think, is so important is because it's not that you just have to have, find something outside of yourself. You have to find the right thing mm. outside of yourself. And that's why the biblical origin story is so compelling. It's so powerful. And it basically says that, look, our value comes from Jesus, from God. Uh, it, it comes because we're created to be loved by him. We're not created to be controlled by him. We're not created, be, you know, so that he, we have to worship him. We are created so that we could be the vessels of his love. He wants to love us. Hence the whole notion of free will, you see, because you can't love unless free will exists. Right. And that's what's really powerful. And most people don't realize that in scientific materialism, atheism, that that is their postulate, that love doesn't actually exist. It's an illusion that might be helpful, but love between two human beings, the notion of altruistic love, unconditional love, uh, transformative love, that reality does not exist. So people who say love is the most powerful thing and force in the universe, well, not to a scientific materialist or an atheist. <laughs> doesn't exist. And now an agnostic will say, well, I don't know if there is a God or not, but they're also saying, well, then I don't know if there's love or not which I find really fascinating in that regard. So, but our value comes from Jesus because we're created in the biblical origin story to be loved by him. And he just doesn't love us, but he's actively pouring his love into us. And this is why we must be redeemed. You see, we must be brought from death to life in order to receive like a container. It has to be fixed mm. so that we can receive 
him pouring his love into us. And that process has a dramatic result. It actually is the most transformative thing that will ever happen because it redeems you. It restores you. It heals you. It comforts you. It strengthens you. It gives you identity. It encourages you. It grows you strong. All of these things are what are the foundational building blocks of value in your life. So you can't feel valuable by saying to yourself, I'm valuable. It doesn't work that way. It's just like, you can't be happy by saying I'm happy. I'm just going to tell myself I'm happy, you know, fake it till I make it. There has to be these building blocks, these foundational stepping stones on which these things happen. It's like, uh, uh, value is the apple on the tree, but in order to get the apple on the tree, you got to plant the tree. The tree's got to be healthy. It's got to grow. You got to have a little, uh, environmental ecology going on. You know, you got to have bees that come in, fertilize the blossoms and so forth. Then you'll get apples. And so in the same way, value is the fruit on the tree mm. and you have to grow the tree and good soil and all that kind of stuff. And so what's that good soil? Well, it's about redemption. It's about healing. It's about restoration. It's about strength. It's about courage. It's about all of these things that are transforming or happening inside of you through the transformative process of God pouring his love into you each and every day. So God has an origin story about our life. Mm -hmm. It's your choice whether you believe it or not. And last Sunday, you laid out how our lives are changed by the constant flow of God's love into our lives. It, it's this constant flow into our lives that becomes our ministry in the world. You had a really great um, illustration with a, mm -hmm. a, a, a terracotta pot that was broken and put back together. And then it was able to basically overflow once you started filling it up, mm -hmm. where before it just the water yeah. all seeped out the side and you no, couldn't contain yeah, anything. Couldn't right? contain anything. So how does recognizing that God's work within me is how he will be working through me impact our lives? Well, that's what's going to be happening this this next week that we're studying. The answer is found in chapter three. So we started uh, in chapter of Ephesians. Okay. So we started in Ephesians chapter one, then we went to Ephesians chapter two, and now we're in Ephesians chapter three. And we're going to focus on verses uh, 14 through about 21 and it's, it's a really powerful, uh, doctrinal statement. And he basically says, uh, the whole, the whole verse goes like this for this reason, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according mm. to his power that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what I'd like to do is kind of go back and break that down just a little bit and feel free to jump in and ask questions as I do it. Okay. okay. So the first thing he says, for this reason, I kneel before the father. So we talked about these stepping stones, you know, the soil, God is the ultimate father figure, mm. right? Now everybody's has a father figure the majority of people are disappointed in their father figures. Well, and I think it's not even just like your biological father. I mean, you have men yeah. in your life that you can look up to, and it's like ultimately at some point they're going to do something that 
is going to let you down. Yeah. It's it's not that that makes them bad people inherently. It's just that they're not perfect. We only have right. one perfect person in our life, right? Yep. And that's God the Father, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, you know, which according to the Trinity, the two are the same. And the thing that's really pos- po- powerful about that is this, is they say that a man really becomes a man on his own when he realizes his own father, his father figure is just as messed up as he is. Mm. <laughs> but because of that, see, that's where he really gains strength because he realizes, well, I've looked up to this man my whole life, and yet he has the same struggles I, and yet he still did it. Right. You see, he still climbed the mountain. So I can climb it too. I, can't, I don't have to be discouraged. Then the next phrase in 15, he says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So family and the structure of the family is established by God. It's his true intent and it's in our family that we are initially introduced to the power of God's love in a practical way. You know, when, when we're infants and children, you know, our family takes care of us. You see, now, is that God's love? Well, not directly, but it begins to help us understand the power and importance of family. Verse 16, he says this, and this is really important. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. So now we see the goal of the spiritual life. Paul is saying, I want you to grow strong. How? Jesus grows you strong by giving you his glorious riches. So it's out of these glorious riches, he is going to strengthen you. It's about internal spiritual power that comes from Christ and Christ alone. And then he says this, with power. So he's going to strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So we are strengthened with his power, a strength that comes from his spirit, and it gives us a strength of mind, a strength of heart, a strength of will, and the strength of emotions. So we are strengthened in our inner being. It's, it's what's inside of you that becomes your greatest strength. We are strengthened through his Holy Spirit or divine presence in our life each and every day. So God each, each day is pouring his love into us and that produces strength. You see, uh, the purpose of strength is for Jesus to dwell in our hearts through him or through faith. And so the closer that we get to him, the stronger we become, which is verse 17. He goes, I want him to grow you strong with power through his spirit in your inner being, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So it's the indwelling of Christ that makes me stronger, not weaker. So the closer I draw to God, the closer he draws near to me and the stronger our faith becomes. And guess what it does? It roots us in love, which is the whole point, because it's his love that is what is making us strong. And so he goes on in 17, he says this, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So you see how strength and love are connected here. Well, and he's really tying these all together. He's all like, together. Hey, so you start here and this gives you this, you know, yes. him, you know, you accepting Jesus in your life, you are now indwelled with the spirit, which then builds you in strength. And that strength then creates love because the love 
of the Holy Spirit was within. So he's he's tying each part together. Yes. He's basically adding stepping stones. He's like, hey, because you did this, now this happens, and because you ha- now have that, this mm-hmm. happens, and so it's kind and then of, it goes back, and, and then it goes back, back and does it yeah, all over it's a loop, again, right? Yeah, it's like you know each day, or you know, uh, I guess a, a, a possible illustration is like a bodybuilder. You know, the bodybuilder gets up and they have to eat. They fuel their body, and then they train their body, and then they rest their body, and then they fuel their body. And if they fuel the right amount, and if they train the right amount, they get bigger and stronger. You know, you can right. sculpt the body really in an amazing way. And so in a, in a way they've taken that model to do that from the spiritual thing of walking with God. It's mm. I, I'm being, God's pouring his love into me. Guess what? Now I'm rooted in it. The more I'm rooted in it, the more I receive it, the more I receive it, the fruit at the, on the, the apple that's being produced is strength, right. strength and power. He says, verse 18, he goes, he goes, I want you to be verse 17. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love, verse 18, may have power. (laughs) So you see how he always connects them. He says, you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. So it's happening in you and me and everybody who listens right in our audience and even beyond people who don't even know me, but they walk with Jesus. We're all being filled with the love of Jesus Christ and rooted, established in love. And this is making us stronger and more powerful. And he says, so what, what do we want to have power to do? With all the Lord's people, grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So now he comes right back to it. He says, look, you really want to grow strong, then you need to understand how much Jesus loves you. You need to understand what his love does to you. You need to understand how high and deep and wide and strong and powerful it really is. So our spiritual power is directly related to how well we grasp wide, long, deep, high, the love Jesus has for us and pours into our life each and every day. And guess what he says in verse 19, this love surpasses all knowledge. So it, it's greater than even knowledge. You know, we love knowledge, particularly in Western civilization, right? We, we want facts, we want details, we want to know the story. We, boy, if I just knew then I could make an adjustment or judgment or discernment, but even beyond my own capacity to have knowledge or get knowledge about anything else, the love of God has a more transformative power in your life than anything else, especially knowledge. And then he goes, he says, once you understand that this love surpasses knowledge, you can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So God's pouring his love into me to root me and establish me in love, give me power so that I can receive more of God's love. An ultimate goal is to receive the fullness of his love. And so, you know, a lot of times I'll have kids ask me, you know, well, what are we going to do in heaven? Eternity's a long time. And <laughs> I can just, barely withstand a car yeah, ride, let alone. Yeah. Eternity. You know, what are we going to get there? What are we going to do? It's so boring. I go, you have no idea. We, we have no concept of what it means to be loved in the full of God. We, we, you know, time doesn't exist, Mm. you know, it doesn't exist with God. And then he goes on to say, verse 20, because of all this love that's happening, all this constant flow of God's love, the transformative power of God's love, he caps it off with one of the most powerful statements about, about who we are in Christ. He says, look now because of Jesus, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So sometimes even asking 
it, you're, you're going to miss the boat. You know, there's an old story that we used to tell Arnold Palmer, you know, you know, Arnold Palmer, the like great the golfer. You know, <laughs> yeah, they got the drink from him, but, but, uh, cause that's what he ordered. Um, anyway, he used to travel around all the time, play golf, you know, okay. this is probably, and you know, he's, uh, gosh, I don't even know if he's still alive today. I think he is, but you know, he retired 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So, but what happened is he was traveling around. He's very famous. He designed golf courses and stuff like that. And so, uh, in, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, out in the middle East there, they got into golf. Right. right. And so they asked him to come out and design a course or come out and play a tournament or something. I, I can't quite remember, mm-hmm. you know? And so he gets there and the King Saudi Arabia comes out and says, you know, um, Arnold Palmer shows up and he gives him a set of monogrammed Arnold, Arnold Palmer. Boy, I can't say his name <laughs> is of, of, of clubs to him, you know, a set of clubs and he gives them to the King and the King goes, Oh, this is an incredible gift. Oh, this is an incredible gift. He goes, he goes, I-, I need to give you. And so Arnold, since he just gave him a set of clubs, he says, well, just a golf club would be fine. That's what he says. Right. So the next, next day, you know, right before he leaves the, uh, the king is there. He says, okay, I want to say thank you. Here's my gift to you. And he walks up with a platter, and it's got an envelope on it. And he's like, okay, this isn't a driver or right. a putter. You know, he's thinking, oh, he's going to give me a golden laid putter or something like that. And so he goes, what's it this? He goes, well, it is my gift to you that you asked for. And he opens it up, and you know what it's a deed to? What? A golf club. Oh, like a full golf club. A golf club. club. A, a yeah. golf club. A, a resort club. Oh. <laughs> worth tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> and the lesson from that is be careful what you ask for when yes. you're asking a king, <laughs> right? You're at, oh, I just want a golf club. And what do you get? You got a golf club. club. <laughs> got the whole thing. And in the same way, he when you're asking God what to do in your life, in a lot of ways, sometimes what we're asking is so small. We can't even imagine, we cannot even imagine what he can do within us. Why? Because it's according to, man, if you're going through the verse by verse with me, this is really powerful. Circle it in your body. Listen to this. Now he can do immeasurably more than anything you ask or imagine according to, according to. Okay. So he's not doing this outside of you, right? He's not the king of Saudi Arabia who's going to give you the deed to a golf course. What he's going to do is it says it's according to his power. And what is his power? We've established is his love being poured into you every day. His power that is at work within you. So he can do more than you ever imagined because of the power that's working in you. And this is really important because so many people think that, God's goal is to, is that he's a, a benevolent Santa Claus, right? right? And if I have enough faith, he's going to do more than I can imagine. You know, it reminds me in the Star Wars movie. You know, I know you always like movie references. Love movie references. The first one, you know, the first one out when um, Luke Skywalker is trying to talk Han Solo into rescuing the princess. He goes, you know, she's rich. Right. There's going to be a reward. And he goes, he goes, how much of a reward? And he goes, more than you could ever imagine. He goes, I don't I know. I can imagine. imagine. 
imagine an awful lot. lot. <laughs> so, right, we can imagine an awful lot. We think that God wants to give us these things because he's outside of us. And see, mm. this is the problem so many people have is what they think is, is that my relationship with God is he's out there and I'm here. And my goal is to try to get aligned with God. So the God who's out there will bestow blessings upon me over here. And what we don't really realize that what Paul is saying over and over and over again, you see this loop again, it goes, no, the power of God is at work in you right now. Mm. And what it's doing is immeasurably more than you could ever imagine. It's not, a, it's, don't focus on a material thing outside of you. Think of what's going on inside of you because that's his greatest glory. You're his handiwork. You're his workmanship. People have been healed. People have been restored. People have been given purpose. People have given things, but most importantly, importantly, this power says to you, it can never change that your life matters no matter what. So this passage is not really long um, as far as things go, but it's really packed with important yes. spiritual truths. Yes. I mean, it's what, 10 verses, yeah, seven verses, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, 14 to 21, 14, yeah, seven, so verses, seven verses. And so it's like, if we can really understand and grasp these important spiritual truths, then our origin story becomes crystal clear. Yes. But I mean, it is, it's kind of a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. we just went through that and we spent almost 20 minutes just talking through those seven verses and you probably could have gone four more hours on well, it if you, you know really want yeah, to. Yeah, if I wanted to, I'd go four hours. So it's a like understanding these isn't something that's going to happen immediately, but once yes. you really do, yes. It's going to crystallize and yes. really clarify yes. your origin story. So our purpose is to be loved by Jesus. And when we are in line with what he's doing within our lives, then yeah. our, our, we have a ministry impact yes. on everybody, on everybody around, around us, us yeah. right? Yes. So let's organize these spiritual truths that you you kind of broke down for us into specific biblical principles. Well, I think the the first one, you know, based on what we just discussed, the application is is that the goal of knowing Jesus is to grow strong. It's not to grow weak. It's Which not a lot of people think, you know, yeah. once you become a Christian, you become yeah. you know this super nice super guy, nice that guy and I can't do anybody. anything. Yeah, yeah, and you're 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 an effeminate man. Yes. Yeah, and that's just not true. And for females, you know, uh, it's it's to grow us strong. Uh, and let, let's just review real quick. He says, look, when you walk in the love of Jesus and he does things in your life and this power that is work within you is producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Well, if you go over to Galatians chapter five, verse 22, he tells you what the fruit of the spirit is. He says, it's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Mm. Okay. That's cool. Those are nice things. Oh, really? They're nice things. Okay. What if, what if he were to say, okay, the fruit of the spirit is bench pressing 450 pounds. <laughs> it's squatting 1000 pounds. It's throwing a discus 500 yards. It's you're like, okay, that's not possible. Mm -hmm. That's what he's saying here. You see, cause look at this. He goes, look, love is the most powerful force in the universe. Even though scientific materialists and atheists don't believe in it. Uh, it's the most powerful force in because loving someone else is going to be the hardest thing you will ever do in your life. Loving another human being is the hardest thing you will ever do. It is not easy. It's the most rewarding. It's the most fulfilling. And it'll bring your life the most joy and the most sense of value, meaning and purpose. But the notion that it's easy, oh, no, it is not <laughs> easy 
at all. Look what he says. The fruit of the spirit is joy. Have you ever met a weak person who is joyful? Not typically. No, they're not. They, they don't have joy. Weak people don't have joy. So you have to be strong, powerfully strong. If you want to have the fruit of joy in your life, look at peace. When you look at over seven, 8,000 years of human history, there's only 238 years where there was actually peace on the earth. Mm. That's like a half of a percent. Right. So people are always at war. Families are always at war. Cities are always at war. Every, everybody's always at war all the time. So to have peace, you know, we live in what is known as absolute chaos in this realm because evil came in, we invited it in, and it's created chaos. Everything is chaotic. And so, you know what peace is? Peace is something that must be hacked out of this chaos. Um, you have to like, like a farmer would go in and clear the land and then prep the land in order to grow food. And then he has to stay on top of it constantly because the chaos is always coming in. You know what I'm saying? Yep. The weeds and the animals and all these destructive forces. And so, you know, a farmer is constantly at war with mother nature who's trying to destroy his crop, you know, but if he's good at it or she's good at it, she produces food, feeds lots of people. That's what peace is. I mean, peace is really, really hard work. You want to live in a peaceful society, right? I do. I want, I want my neighborhood to be peaceful. I want my kids to be able to go out and play and never have a problem. I want my, uh, neighbors and people to get along. You know, I want everybody to be happy and peaceful, but in order to have a peaceful neighborhood, we have to have a peaceful city, right? In order to have a peaceful city, we need cops. We need lots of cops because our society is producing less peaceful people and more broken, evil people, right? Mm -hmm. And so we need cops to keep us safe. We need firemen to keep us safe. We need city workers to keep us safe. We need good government, you know? And when does government ever run really, really well? You know, on occasion, yes. But right. usually it's pretty chaotic. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So, so the point is, is that peace, look at the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. How, do, how can we bring about peace unless we are very, very strong people built on solid, solid values and principles that are without question unshakable? You see, that's why our forefathers and the founding of this nation, I think, did they, they sacrificed greatly because they knew it was going to be hard. But it was out of love, joy, peace that they wanted to create it. Look at forbearance. I don't know about you, but holding back is one of the most difficult things you'll ever do, especially mm. when you're upset. Kindness, you know, being nice when everybody else is rude. It's easy when you're with, what is it, uh, those chipmunks in the cartoon that are always, oh, you go first. No, you please go first. No, no oh, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's like, well, that's easy when everybody's already kind. But what, how, how are you kind in the midst of, of chaos and evil? That's even harder. Goodness. You know, revenge is easy. Hate is cake. But being good when everyone else in the room is evil is one tough mutter. You know, the tough mm -hmm. mutters that you have to challenge yourself through. That's what it is. Faithfulness, gentleness. You know, this is one of the things about gentleness is that gentleness is only used to refer to people who are really dangerous and strong. You know, 
When a giant, when a man, you know, a big, uh, you know, wrestler or football player picks up a baby, what do you say? Oh, look how gentle he is. Mm. Right. Or you see this massive horse, you know, that comes up and kneels down. So a little girl can get on the back. You go, Oh, what a gentle horse that is. Right. You know, it's only big, powerful, dangerous things that you say, Oh, that can be gentle. Mm. Right. You don't ever look at toilet paper and go, boy, that's gentle stuff. <laughs> Right? The marketing campaigns would would disagree with you, <laughs> but yes. But you see, my point is that is that these things that are so important that we're trying to get the fruit of the spirit in our lives, it doesn't happen uh, naturally. It doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't happen in any other way than when we are growing really, really strong and powerful. Well, and I think ultimately that's the whole point, right? Is God wants us to be strong and powerful. He yes. did not choose us as his people. He did not send his son so that we could be weak, right. pitiful right. existence on right. this planet. He wants us to be strong because when we're in power, when we're in strength, then that's when we can accomplish great things, right? Mm-hmm. We sing that song you know, fairly often here in worship. It's like, he does great things and he does great things through us. And in mm-hmm. order for us to do that, we have to be strong. Maybe that doesn't always equate to you know, we've got some pretty big guys on our security team and they're pretty yeah. bulky. That's not necessarily the strength he's talking about. He's like, he's not saying I'm going to make you physically strong. He might make some people because that's their calling, but there has to be a strength, whether it's spiritually, uh, mentally, physically, these strengths are all built through Jesus and through right. God's work in us. It's not through yeah. anything else. It's not through us. We can get partway through, but inevitably we have a limit to what we can do on our own. Mm -hmm. And the only way we can surpass that limit to get to true strength is through God. His love pouring into us and transforming us because that's where our strength and power comes from. Absolutely. And and I think that that's what's really critically important in this whole process is that what we're talking about this week is that, you know, you have a ministry which comes from what God is doing in you and your ministry is only effective when God is doing his thing in you. Mm. And so... You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, issue right now in the world today. They're calling it the great resignation. You know, it started out in the world. Everybody's, you know, quitting their jobs, not wanting to work. We've got labor force issues and blah, blah, blah. But what's really interesting is that how huge it is since uh, three years ago happening in COVID is that uh, ministers, you know, for almost 40% of all ministers are trying to leave the ministry right now. Mm. So, Wow, that's a lot of people in leadership. And so one of the things I think that's interesting about that is because uh, we uh, is the reason why is because so much of what we're doing focuses on the structure and not allowing the love of Christ. And when Christ gets in you and transforms you, you, you end up doing really scary things, you know, like, like, you know, in, in our situation as a church, uh, you know, the governor comes out and says, you know, hey, you can't. We, we can't have, we're shutting the, everybody down for two weeks. Right. And so no, no groups over 50. And we said, well, uh, okay, we'll, you know, we'll social distance and set up our thing, but we're not closing because, you know, uh, I believe the first amendment says that any and all regulations or commands from our federal government to a church are suggestions. Mm not laws. <laughs> so, so we went through that and then they said, well, we, you can't have groups of more than 10. And we are like, well, I guess we have, you know, we don't want to be part of the problem. We don't want to enhance the problem, but what we want to do is we're not going to shut down because I, I can't just sit here and see people around me that are struggling and not love them because I've been in situations where I was struggling or as I was having, and P 
people risked. They took a risk to help me. And how, how can I not do that now? Well, and we, we encouraged people to follow the regulations. Right. But if someone showed up to the church on a Sunday and said, I need to be in this building because I'm really struggling spiritually, we didn't say, nope, too bad, go home, yeah. right? We didn't lock we, the doors. We, we, provided, there, yeah. we provided church online. Yeah. We, we, we gave options for yeah. people to assess their own safety. But yeah. ultimately, our priority was, first and foremost, your spiritual well-being and that you can't, yeah. we can't help you with that if we're closing our doors and saying, oh, we're just going to stay home for the next few months and you guys figure it out yeah. on your own, right? Yeah. And I, you know, I heard of pastors who people would email them and they wouldn't even email them back because they were like, well, we're closed down right now. You know, they get an auto reply. Right. And I'm just like, I, I, so I just said, look, we don't want to add to the problem, but this is what we're going to do is we're going to do everything we can. And since I was a pastor before the internet, you know, mm-hmm. I just pulled out the old school book and said, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to call everybody, you know, that thing called the phone, you call them. The phone tree came back. <laughs> so the phone tree came back. So we called everybody. We did that a few times. We found out people had needs and then we had, you know, we go collect stuff. And then man, our food pantry had lines of cars you know, for people who had lost their jobs immediately and they didn't have, they couldn't get food on the table right away. And so we started stocking people up with food and, and I even delivered toilet paper to some people, you know, I'd go by and throw it up on their porch and text them and say, Hey, you got some toilet paper on your porch. (laughs) So, uh, that's what we did. Ministry takes many forms. Apparently, (laughs) Why would we do that? Why would we do that? Well, because there were times in my life where Christ loved me through the hand of somebody else mm. when I was in need. And I'm saying, because that's happened to me, how can I not do it? You know, I, it's not that should I, or what would I, or is it a good idea? It, I never even debated that stuff. I just said, Oh, we got a problem. You know, this is what I'm going to do. Mm. And so people are like, wow, how did you have such conviction and courage? It didn't seem like a conviction to me. It didn't seem anything courageous at all to me. One bit. It just seemed well, that's what happened to me, right? God worked in me. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to do. And so boom, that's what happened. So I think what we have to understand is that we want the fruit of the spirit in our lives, but it only happens when we grow strong because the fruit is pretty hardy stuff to get to. Absolutely. And so that's why you need God's love pouring in you constantly because that's how you grow strong. Well, thank you so much for sharing more with us. Uh, I love Tuesdays where we're spending time in the scriptures, really discussing it and pulling it apart and looking at it and studying it. And uh, obviously Thursday, we're going to be back at looking at some practical applications or seeing some examples of what's going on um, through various things in the world and how these might apply. So we encourage you guys to join us here on Thursday for the next episode of The Salty Pastor, and we'll see you then. Blessings.